Welcome to Meaning Over Money, a different kind of financial podcast where money is never about money. Welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so excited to have you here. We hope you're having an awesome week. And regardless of when you're listening to this, we hope it adds value to your journey. And if it does add value, it would mean the world to us if you would share with a friend or if you use Apple to rate and review our show. It makes a big difference. This episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, This morning, I walked into the office. It's Monday. Cole and I are both excited to come to work. And Cole said, hey, Travis, I got this TikTok video you need to watch. And then right before I was about ready to watch it, he said, actually, we should make a podcast of this. He goes, can you watch it while you're recording the podcast? And he says, it's not the video that I want you to, to, to opine on. He says, I want to hear your thoughts on the comments. And he says, the video I actually think we're in agreement with. He says, but the comments, the comments are, are, are gold. And these comments that Cole sent me, these aren't the ones he cherry-picked. He didn't go diving down hundreds or thousands of comments deep to find what he wanted. He was looking at the top. These were the most upvoted comments. These are the ones that garnered the most likes, the most attention, the most feedback. And so I think that tells me this is a broad glimpse of where we're at as a society, at least the demographic of people that were watching this video. So I just wanted to share that as context, that Cole wasn't cherry picking the most absurd things. Cole was grabbing the most prevalent things. And so that's what we're going to do today. I'm a little bit nervous. I have no idea what I'm getting myself into here. But he said it's a Dave Ramsey comment. I'm sorry, it's a Dave Ramsey video. And now, if you listen to this, you know that we're not huge fans of, of Dave Ramsey. But what I will say is that there's a big alignment on several things. And so Cole's saying this is probably one of the things we're in alignment with Dave Ramsey. And so I'm excited to hear what Cole has in store for me. And Cole's excited enough about this that he's actually sitting next to me. Uh, Typically, I record episodes by myself, and then Cole will grab the memory card and edit them and produce them separately. So I do my thing, he does his thing. Now, this one, he's actually sitting right next to me, which makes me a tad bit more nervous here. I hope I can live up to Cole's astronomical expectations of me. So, All right, here's what we're going to do first. We're going to play this video, and then we're going to look at the comments he sent me. And he sent me, I think, 10 to 15 comments, um, and I don't know what they are. And I wanted to make sure that I did not see them before I turned on the microphone. So this could be a debacle. This could be an absolute nightmare, and uh, this may be the end of my podcasting career. So uh, without further ado, here is the video. This week, they came out with new data that shows that the average car payment in America today, according to the National Auto Dealers Association, is $499. That's dangerously close to 500. <laughs> you take 500 bucks a month and invest it from age, 20, from age 30 to age 70 in a decent growth stock mutual fund, you'll have $5.6 million. That's what a car payment costs you. So who'd you make rich? General Motors. Ford, Lexus, I don't know, Toyota, who was it? You made somebody rich. It wasn't you. All right. So, the video. Yeah, I think a general 
uh, Cole and I and Meaning Over Money, what we do is, is definitely in alignment with, with that. In fact, we have a section of our course where we, we really lean into this topic of, of cars and debt and the consequences and the opportunity cost of, of having these payments. And so I think as he's talking in this video, we really agree with what Dave Ramsey is saying here. Now, I think we might disagree with maybe the return expectation. I did the math really quick as the video was going. That's about a 12% return, which I don't think is reasonable. I think there was a period in our history where 12 happened, but there's only been one period and, and the average has certainly not been 12. But um, I think $5.6 million, that's a lot of money. You know, doing something more like a 9%, that's still a lot of money. I think either way, we're talking about a lot of money here. And so I think the general concept, I'm, I fully agree with what, with what Dave Ramsey is saying here. So, all right. Now, here are the comments that Cole gave me. He texted them to me. I have them in front of me. And uh, all right, we're going to grab the first comment. What does Cole have in store? Okay, I'm going to read the comment, and then uh, we'll talk about it. All right, 500 times 12 times 40 equals $240,000. How did he get to five times that amount? Market crashes seem like every 10 years. Doubt it's making 40. Yes. Okay, don't really... <laughs> Don't understand the last part. All right, 500 times 12 times 40, it's only $240,000. So how did he get to $5.6 million? Well, I think what this person is, is missing is that we're not taking this money. We're, put, now we're not putting it in a savings account. We're investing it. And we're investing it in the stock market. We're investing it well. And over 40 years, $500 a month invested at... Well, Dave Ramsey's 12% is about $5.6 million. That's a true number, if 12% is the number. If 9% is the number, which is the number I typically look at, that's about $2.5 million. And so 5.6 is actually $2.3 million. So 5.6 versus 2.3. Either way, it's way more than $240,000 because I think Dave Ramsey's point is we're not setting it in a savings account or a checking account. We're investing it. Next comment, my neighbor always saved money, invested, never bought anything sweet, became wealthy, then died at 38 due to cancer. Live life, people, enjoy it. Now, that's a sad comment. Died at 38, I'm 40. So the idea that, that this person passed away younger than me, now, maybe if you're really young, 38 seems old, I'm 40, I feel like, I feel like I'm in my 20s. Um, 40 feels really young. And so, first of all, my apologies go out to anybody who's lost somebody that, that's super young, like 38. I mean, that's, that's way too young. And cancer sucks. I've lost several friends to cancer. It's, it's really not about, though, YOLOing this thing um, into the ground. We can live life and we can do responsible things. We don't, we don't need to go one way or the other. We don't need to be a miser a penny pinch or a hoarder, and we also don't need to YOLO ourselves off a cliff. There's a middle ground. And I'm not sure who defined living life as getting a car payment and, and, and jettisoning $500 a month every single month for 40 years. To me, that's not living life. To me, that's being a slave. To me, 
that is taking $500 a month that I could be doing something awesome and using it for something eh. And so I agree, man, let's live life. Let's live life, but I don't think living life means we need to send 500 bucks to the bank every month. There's a lot of really sweet things I would love to do with 500 a month because I agree, live life. But sending it to the bank every month is probably not one of them. Next comment. You spend 800 a month on food. Now imagine you don't eat for 40 years, and there you go, $12 million. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't even know what to do with this one. Cole, man. Um, sure. Um, I guess um, starving to death is a, is a great way to become a multimillionaire, uh, but I think we need to make choices. I think we have choices to make. Um, I would say, in my coaching, we would put food slightly ahead of a fancy car, a brand new car. So, um, you know, we're going to make choices. If we're going to choose the car or the food, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the food. Um, I don't think this is a fair comparison. Um, we, we, need to, we need to survive. We need the basics of life. And groceries are expensive. Um, I have two little growing boys. Uh, groceries are expensive. And so we do the best we can. We buy good food. We try to be healthy. We do the right things for the right reasons. And then we move on. But we're not talking about absolute necessities and other absolute necessities. A brand new car isn't a necessity. A brand new car is a luxury. So yes, let's spend on the things we need to spend on but then we need to have some discernment and discretion on the other things. Next comment. Tomorrow isn't guaranteed to anybody. I'll enjoy my Lexus and live my best life. Um, if your Lexus is your best life, I'm sorry. I just, I don't even know what to do with that either. If you driving a fancy car is you living your best life, man, what a, what a materialistic way to live. I'm living my best life. I think Cole's living his best life, but I can promise you, Cole's not rocking Alexis right now. Um, it's, not about, it's not about how much we can have. Our toys and our houses and our cars and our lifestyle, that's not living a best life. To me, living a best life is having a quality of life, not the highest standard of living possible. I had a really high standard of living at one point, and I could have had a much higher standard of living than that. That's not what created my best life. What created my best life is waking up every day doing what I, what I love and having the freedom for my wife to stay at home with, with our babies and for, for me to be able to be the best dad and the best husband I can and to serve the best I can and to, to do the right things for the right reasons. That's me living my best life. We all need to make our own decisions on what's living our best life. And if, if you're living your best life, is you driving that new Lexus? Then I guess I got to say, you got to go for it. Then do it. We all need to make our own choices. I would challenge for most people, you driving around that new car isn't living your best life. But, uh, but again, we all have to make that choice. Next comment. Mutual funds are not safe investments. 5.6 million is saying that every year the market will go up. Cole, Cole, what are you doing to me, man? <laughs> 5.6 million is not saying 
the stock market will go up every year. What it's saying is that we'll have a certain average. Now, Dave Ramsey is using around a 12% average, which I already said I, I don't think is the number. But Dave Ramsey is not saying it's going up 12% every year. He's saying it will be the average of the 40-year stretch. Now, whether you believe or not believe in 12%, in that's not the point. The point is the stock market isn't going to go up every year, and that's not what we're saying. Let's use my number instead. Let's say 9%. Let's say 9% is the number. I'm not saying the stock market's going to go up 9% every year. I'm saying it's going to average 9% over a long period of time, which means you get the recessions with the awesome. You get the stock market crashes with the good years. You get the economic thriving times with the global pandemics. That's what we get. And the initial sentence here was mutual funds are not safe investments. Well, here are the facts. And I'm, I'm coming up with them off the top of my head because uh, Cole didn't allow me to prepare for this, but I, I do know the numbers well. Over 155 years, the U.S. stock market has performed somewhere between 9 and 10% a year for 150 years, 155 years. The worst the stock market has done over a 10-year period is lose about 1.5% a year. There's never been a 15-year period of time in the history of the stock market. So go back and look at those 155 years. You cannot find any block of 15 years in there where the stock market lost money. So mutual funds are not a safe investment. Well, you can't lose money over 15 years. I don't know. Maybe that is safe. And the, the reference Dave Ramsey's talking about here is 40 years. So let's go a little longer. What I do know is that over 25, 30-year period, the worst the stock market has ever done, the worst over 25, 30 years, I believe is up 4 to 4.5%. Four the worst it's ever done. Now, there's been seasons where it's been north of 12%. The Dave Ramsey, 12%. There's been, a, there's been 40 year seasons where you could, you could have a, a, a heck of a, a run. So, to say that mutual funds are not safe investments, at best is naive, at worst is disingenuous. And so that's what I have to say about that. Index funds of the total stock market are one of the, the historically one of the surest things we have at our disposal. And I'll, I'll link up in our show notes a past episode where we talked about this specific topic where I really went into how risky is the stock market. So we'll link that up. And some of you aren't ever going to agree with that. Some of you will never believe that. But I do share the facts in that episode. And so to this person, I think if they were to educate themselves a little bit about the history of the stock market over a long period of time, never a, a three to five year period of time, but a long period of time, I think what they'll see is that the overall stock market is not that unsafe. Next comment. Sorry, I'm going to drive my cool car while I'm alive. I don't care about being rich at 70. 70, all caps. I don't even know if I'm going to be alive tomorrow, dog. <laughs> Again, I, I, 
if, if driving a cool car is your definition of living life, then I can't argue with that. And I don't think it's about being rich. And maybe this is why Cole gave me this comment. This comment was similar to an earlier comment. And I don't think Cole's, I think what Cole was really wanting me to, to, to see here, because I don't even know what he wants me to see. I'm just, I'm just reacting to Cole here, is this idea of being rich. First of all, that's not that rich. 40 years into the future, that's not that rich. It will provide you with a, a pretty good standard of living to help you down the road. This isn't about being rich or not being rich. This is about being a good steward. Now, being a steward, that's, that's a Christian concept. Some of you aren't Christians. That's okay. But if you are a Christian, we're talking about being a good steward, taking care of what we're blessed with. We're not talking about being rich. We're talking about managing well with whatever we have. And so if you think spending $500 a month in perpetuity is the best use of your money, then I can't argue with that. I would question that. But again, we're talking about meaning over money here. And as we talk about meaning over money, it's not my job to tell you what creates meaning. But I suspect, and this is a very strong suspicion, that in your family, with your spouse, your kids, a cool car is not a life of meaning. Now, a cool car is a cool car. I'll, I'll take a cool car. If anybody wants to buy me a cool car, I'm going to drive it. Um, but I think we're missing the point. This isn't about being rich or not being rich. It's about being a good steward with whatever we're blessed with. Next comment. Who has 500 bucks a month to invest? 99% of Americans don't have it to invest. <laughs> well, I think my smart aleck comment would be, well, 99% of Americans don't have it to invest because that's the average car payment in America. We're spending it on our cars. I meet with a lot of people that have good incomes that aren't investing in retirement, in college, and other things that they say are important to them because they're busy spending it on other things. And so I think we have to take a step back. And first we have to ask ourselves, why can we not afford to invest $500 a month? Now, there's a reality and it's not 99%. It's not even close to 99%, but there are people in this country. There are a lot of people that cannot afford to invest. There's a lot of people that I work with that are living on the margin, right on that margin of, of barely making it, getting over the hump, and it feels tight. It does. And I do not want to minimize them. They're battling the battle. And they're trying to be good stewards. They're trying to do the right things for the right reasons. And so props to them. That's a season. Let's get through this season. But if you have a car payment that's $500, by definition, that means you have $500 to invest. But you, instead of investing it, you are spending it on your car payment. If you have a $500 payment on a thing, you are making a choice every single month to take that $500 and spend it on the loan when you could be spending it on something different. And I'm not even telling you what to spend it on. I'm not telling you you should invest it to have $5.6 million or $2.3 million based on my math. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, Every time you hand 500 to the bank, 
That's 500. You can't do what you otherwise would dream of doing. Maybe that's traveling the world. Maybe that's giving generously. Maybe it's funding your kid's college. Maybe it's your spouse staying home. Maybe you have a spouse that has always dreamed about staying home and they can't. You can't afford it. That $500 might be the tip over point for something like that to happen. And so we do, that's when Dave Ramsey says $500 is the average car payment in America, he is not lying. Those are published numbers. I've seen those numbers out there. And I know Dave Ramsey stays on top of those because he's been beating this, this drum for, for decades. So those are real numbers. And so if we are really spending that much for our, our car payments, then yes, we are really making the choice every month to not do these other things. Next comment. All these people say, invest, invest, invest. But where? Invest where? It's all gambling to me. Man, I feel you. I feel you. This is a topic in our society that is so uneducated. And it's not our fault. It's not people's fault that they're uneducated. I think our culture, our education system has let us down. And our financial world, the financial institutions of this world, I think have let us down because what they have done is they've made it feel more complicated than it is. It's really quite simple. And I'm going to give you a very short version of it here. And, we'll, and, and Cole's, been, Cole's been talking about getting a whole episode about this topic on how do we actually invest. But here's the very short version of the story. We can invest in index funds that will buy you, essentially, you buy one thing, it will give you the entire stock market. You know, very simple index funds like SPY. That's the 500 largest companies in America. Or VTSAX on Vanguard. It's a, it's a mutual fund that's an index of all about 3,600 companies in the U.S. Everything. And all you do is you open up an account. You can even use Robinhood. I, I did an episode about Robinhood. I think Robinhood tricks us into treating it like a game. It doesn't have to be. You could, as simple as, you could open up Robinhood. You could go to your Robinhood, sell all your crypto, and go buy SPY. Go buy VTI. Go buy XYZ. I'm not endorsing anything. Please don't hear me. I'm not endorsing. I'm just saying there are, there are index funds out there that will buy you the whole stock market. And with one index fund, and SPY is, is one of the, the, the most well-known, one of the oldest of the S&P 500, but you can go in and you can go into Robinhood, take your 10 bucks, take your 20 bucks, take your 100 bucks or your 500, whatever it is, go buy that index fund that buys you the total stock market or the S&P 500, and that's it. And then you can buy it next month, and then you can buy it next month, and you can buy it next month, and you can just hold. You don't have to trade. Don't freak out. Don't let, the, don't let all the, the noise on TikTok and Twitter and Instagram freak you out because we're going to have bad times. Bad times are coming. Why? Because bad times always come. Just keep buying and just be disciplined. You can even set it up automated. Set it up so that every month on the 14th of the month, it takes $200 and it invests it in this thing. And it's that simple. 
And will it crash? Yes, it will. It always does. But again, earlier in this episode, I talked about it's never lost money over a 15-year period of time, ever. And so we just need to be patient. We need to be persistent. We just need to keep going. And so Robinhood's an example. I'm not a big fan of Robinhood, but a lot of you have Robinhood. So if you have Robinhood, you could go buy an index fund, an S&P 500 index, and go do that. You know, Schwab is good. Fidelity is good. Vanguard is good. I'm, I am a, a longtime fan and user and endorser of Vanguard. I love Vanguard. You can go to Vanguard, set up an account. You can set up a, a Roth IRA. You can set up a taxable account, whatever. And you can go and you can buy your index funds. It's quite simple. But keep it simple. You don't have to buy a thousand different things. Just buy something or a couple somethings that are very diverse. And so we'll do an episode on this. We'll, we'll go a little bit deeper into that. But that's, that's how you can invest. And, and it should be easy. We should have been taught this early. I wasn't taught it. I had to go seek it out. I went to college for finance. And I don't even think we talked about this. So it's not your fault. But it can be very, very simple. And the people that I have the privilege of coaching, young adults, we teach them how to invest, and it just becomes like second nature to them. It's easy. We make it very simple, very straightforward, very repeatable, and it's game on, and it's game over once they get that. So that's my encouragement to somebody that would say that. Next comment. If it were that easy, everyone would do it. Plus also, what's the point of being 70 with millions if you're almost dead. <laughs> Man, my, my sorry, 70-year-old friends. If you're 70 and you're listening to this, I'm sorry, but you're about dead. Um, um, I don't think 70 is almost dead. I think 70 is young. And I say that from the perspective that I'm, I, I'm getting a little bit older. But my 70-year-old friends, man, they are living some crazy cool lives. They're not, they're not in a nursing home. They're not rounding out their end days. They're living very, very fun, enjoyable, productive, fulfilling lives. So back to the first part of the comment, though. If it were that easy, everyone would do it. In theory, in theory, everyone would do it. I wish everyone would do it. Cole wishes everyone would do it. We should all be doing it. If, if you're hearing this, you should be doing this. Everyone can do this. I don't think it's a matter of if it's, if it's that easy, everyone would be doing it. I think it's really a matter of if we re reframe that comment. It's if everybody understood it, everyone would be doing it. Because it really is so easy. We just need to know to do it and then go do it. And I have a lot of friends and, and clients, and I teach them this. And I explain this to them, and I walk them through it, and they say, Travis, why doesn't everybody do this? And I said, for the same reason that you didn't do it until today, you didn't know. You didn't know, you didn't know the math. You didn't know it existed. You didn't know how to do it. Now you're doing it. And so, yeah, I, I, wish, I wish that comment were true. If it were that easy, why isn't everybody doing it? Yeah, I, I, think, I think that should be. In a perfect world, that would be our reality. But there's just a lack of knowledge. And there's a lot of noise. I mean, I, I get, on, I get on, on Twitter and Instagram and all I see is about how I need to get in crypto and how my life should be crypto and sell everything I have and buy crypto. I mean, that's all I hear. Buy GameStop, buy Dogecoin, you know, do all these different things. And that's the secret to wealth. That's what everyone's telling me. 
but so I, so I think there's a lot of noise in the system. And so, so I feel you, if, if this feels confusing, but it shouldn't be, we let's make it simple. Next question. Money is not meant to be held on to. It's meant to be used and enjoyed, like having that nice car, traveling, going out with family, and so on. Totally agree. I totally agree with this. I don't think we should hoard. And if you listen to this podcast, you know that one of the things I hate more than anything is hoarding. I despise it. It's why I despise the fire movement. And I don't use that term lightly. I despise the fire movement because it's about hoarding. So if, if you're taking all of your money and you're investing it, that's called hoarding. I don't think we should do that. So this commenter, I actually think they're touching on a very relevant topic. It's not meant to be hoarded. It's meant to be used to enjoy, like having a nice car, traveling, going out with family and so on. Now, I think the way they framed it, it's a bit narcissistic because when I read that, having a nice car, that's about me. Traveling, that's about me. Going out with family, that's about me and my family. I think we're missing a piece. It's called generosity. And so I do agree. I think we should have both. I think we should invest for the future. And I think we should enjoy. And I think we should give. And I'm a big fan of giving. I think, I think we should all amp up our giving so much that it would make people look at us like we're insane. Because culturally giving to that extent is insane. And I always say we should pursue unhinged generosity. Man. And so confession, I do all three. I have money invested. We travel. Now, I don't have a really nice car, but we do travel. We do enjoy nice things. And we try to give unhinged. We try to give like it's, it's, it's the, last, the last thing we can do. We just, man, we're just, we're just going all in on this. And so this commenter, I think they're touching on a nerve. And I think it's the, the nerve on we shouldn't hoard. And I totally agree with that. That's probably why Cole gave me this comment because he knew that it would touch my nerve too. It's not about hoarding everything we have. And if all we're doing is investing and we're not enjoying and we're not being generous and blessing others, we've already lost the battle. Now, we might be rich. If you hoard, you probably will be rich. But you've already lost because you've already lost the point. You've already lost the meaning. So you may have millions and millions and millions of dollars, but you're probably going to lack meaning. And to me, that means you've already lost. Next comment. Yeah, but how in the hell am I supposed to get to my job that's 20 minutes away at 4.30 a.m.? Walk? Run? <laughs> oh. So they're implying here that we have two options. We can have a brand new car that costs us $500 a month, or we walk to work, or jog. If you're a runner, you can jog. You don't need to walk. Those are the two options being presented in front of us. I think that's unfair. That's disingenuous. But I do hear that a lot. And so there is surprisingly a different alternative, and that's to not have a brand new car with a crap load of debt. That's the alternative. And so we could choose not to have a huge car payment. And instead, maybe we have a used car. 
Maybe it's lightly used. Maybe it's heavily used, like Cole's car. But we, we have a used car that we own. It doesn't cost us a lot. And we drive that to work. And so for some of us, let's just say, let's just say you have a $500 car payment today. That's the average car payment right now. So a lot of you do. And that's okay. I coach people every day that have $500 car payments and $600 and $700. I think the highest I have right now is a $770 car payment. It's a nice truck. That's okay. But every month we keep that vehicle, we, do, we are making a choice. We're making a choice to spend that money instead of doing something else. So here's the alternative. The alternative is you could sell that vehicle and either A, you could go get a cheaper car with a loan, a cheaper loan, smaller loan with a smaller payment, or better, sell the car, take some cash, go buy a vehicle. Now, the argument is, oh, well, I need something reliable, Travis. You need to be a good husband and a good father and you need to have something reliable. Yeah, I get that a lot. People say that a lot. In confession, when, when we had our kids, and, and if you've listened, you know my kids are adopted. It was a very sudden adoption. And so we went from no kids to two kids in a matter of a week. And at the time, my wife was driving a, if I can remember, it would have been a 12-year-old Toyota Corolla with almost a quarter million miles on it. This thing had been loved on. This thing has been beaten into the ground. And we had started to save for a vehicle for her, but we weren't really in that big of a hurry. You know, maybe we should have been, but we weren't. And we, we, we didn't want to go get a car loan, so we're just continuing to save. And so she brings these two babies home, and we put them in her car. So we're driving a quarter million mile old Toyota Corolla that the car seats barely fit. And we drove that for the first, uh, I don't know, nine months of their life. And man, we took criticism. We took so much crap from that. Like, Travis, you're being irresponsible. You're putting your family's life in danger. You deserve a brand new car. Go buy her a brand new van. Go buy her a brand new SUV. That's what we heard. But that wasn't what we wanted to do. We lean into the meaning. And so we saved and we saved and we saved. And then we bought her an SUV. And that's the car she drives today. We bought it used. It's more used today. And we sold that car just, just to show you how crappy that car was that, that our kids had for the first nine months of their life. We sold it to my best friend for 500 bucks. And he had it for about two years. And he didn't really put any money into it either. It wasn't costing us money. It was a good car. There's a difference between a used car and a used crappy car. And so we just need to, there's a season in life where maybe we just have a used car. We need to have a car that's not crushing us financially every month. No, it's not fancy. No, you know, I'm not, dri- I'm not driving down the road. The girls aren't looking at me being like, ooh, who's this guy? Like, that's not happening. I think Sarah's probably grateful for that. That's not happening. I'm just driving my normal car that we own debt-free, and we're living this life of meaning. We're not putting all of our money into this vehicle. And that's a choice we have to make. And so the options aren't have a brand-new car, walk everywhere, there's a middle ground. And so I think we're being unfair when we try to, to pitch and hole it. All right, next comment. LOL, from the age 30 to 70, a car payment usually lasts five to seven years, not 40. <laughs> what, Cole, there's not a 40-year car payment plan? I, I think we're missing the point here. Yes, 
Car payments are typically going to be five, six, seven, unfortunately, eight years now. And no, when the car payment goes away, I know we're not just saying, oh, great, we're, we're not going to have car debt anymore. No, we're trading it in and we're getting the next new car. So there is a line of thinking in our society, and it's pretty prevalent, that you're always going to have a car payment. And I know a lot of people, as soon as that car is paid off, that's their motivation now to go get the next car. And so it happens over and over and over again. So no, it's not a 40-year car loan. That's not what Dave Ramsey's implying. What he is implying is if you're content having a $500 a month car payment, you're probably going to have that car payment for decades. Not that payment, but a payment, some payment, the next payment, the next best car. And so that's the unfortunate truth in our society is that once we get conditioned, because when we think of it psychologically, it's $500 a month for a car. And when that payment ends, we don't think to ourselves, oh my gosh, I'm out of this debt. Thank goodness. Now I can use that $500 for something else. No, psychologically, what we think it to ourselves is, well, I've already accounted for $500 a month for a car payment. So now I get to go find something new and then replace it with a new car payment and a better car. So that's how we work psychologically, unfortunately. And some of you are above that, but I'm not. And I suspect most of us aren't. So there we go. Next payment. Dave's theory equals live a miserable life for 40 plus years to live a decent life or maybe for maybe 15 years. Live a miserable life for 40 plus years to live a decent life for maybe 15 years. Well, if not driving a brand new car with a big payment is a miserable life, then yes, I guess that's what he's saying. But I think we're missing the point. Is a miserable life tied to not having fancy possessions? Because to me, I would say when we were paying off debt, for example, it took my wife and I four and a half years to pay off 236000 of debt. And that felt daunting. It felt overwhelming. But when we were in that season, we weren't spending a lot of money on stuff. We weren't spending a lot of money on experiences. But something happened. We were actually really happy. We lived such a fruitful and meaningful life during that season. And I think what it did is it showed us is that our happiness is not tied to money. Spending money wasn't the secret to unlocking fun experiences and happiness and joy. And so I think we've really lost our way in our society where we tie spending money on stuff to happiness. Now, can we have fun and, and, and create those memories and those moments with money? Sure we can. We all have. I have. But it doesn't have to be that way. That's not the only way. So if you have the money and you spend it to make memories, to, to create those experiences, great. But I think it's false to claim that we're going to live a miserable life for 40 plus years. Why? Because we're not going to have a car payment. Because we're not going to have that brand new car. Again, I think that's very short-sighted. And if living a non-miserable life is you driving a brand new car with a big payment, I think we've lost touch 
of what a non-miserable life is, what a fulfilling, what a meaningful life is. So those are the comments that Cole sent me. And for, you know, for a lot of these people, I feel, I feel that. I've lived in that world. I've thought those things. I've been uneducated on the investing side. I've, I've experienced a lot of these things, and I walk alongside people every day that are at various stages of that. And so for those commenters, I get it. I get it. And I, and I hope maybe some of this feedback, some of the responses that I gave will help maybe help you look at it a little bit differently. And that maybe we'll, we'll look at it through a slightly different lens. And ultimately, though, my job, Cole's job, us at Meaning Over Money, we're not here to tell you what to do. If you want to have a $500 a month car payment or six or seven, that's okay. It's not our life. We think you deserve better. We think there's better for you out there. We really do. We sincerely believe that. And we don't think you're stupid. We don't mean to ridicule you. That's not what we're here for. We're here to help give you a different perspective and let you sort it out yourself. And so if you're wavering on the edge, though, if you're teetering, if you're hearing from people, you need a, you need a reliable car, you need this, you need that, our goal is that this conversation will help make you think a little bit before you make that decision. And if you ultimately make that decision to buy that brand new car, we still love you. We're still grateful you're here. And you still mean something to us, whether we know you or not. You're not demeaned and you're not less than because you make a decision we disagree with. That's not how we roll. We're here to have a dialogue, a discourse, and we hope that every bit of it will just help you think through some of this stuff a little bit more clearly along the way so that when you do make that decision, and maybe that decision is to buy that brand new car, maybe that decision is not to buy that brand new car, but whatever decision you make, our goal is that when you do make that decision, you feel really good about it. And then you get to move on with life and live it with meaning, fulfillment, and joy. That's our hope. So we hope this helps. If you'd like to connect with us outside of the podcast, we would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, any feedback, good or bad, we want to hear it. You can find us on Instagram, Meaning Over Money. You can find me, Travis Shelton, on Instagram. You can find our YouTube page. And of course, you can find Meaning Over Money, which is our financial course for young adults, where we teach young adults how to live for the meaning and not for the money. And that's at meaningover.money. And as podcast listeners, a next step may be to buy a course. Maybe. And if it is, don't pay full price, please. We have a promo code for you. If you use the promo code PODCAST25, PODCAST25, you'll get 25% off any of our courses. But for some of you, you don't want to buy a course. That's okay. We're just glad that you're here, and we hope that the podcast continues to add value to your journey. Take care, guys. Take care, guys.